Okay, uh, let's just start. Um, so, Jackson, why don't you give a, a bit of a background about yourself and um, uh, Ascenders, and then we can go from there. Yeah, I guess uh, my background is, uh, from a work point of view, I guess, um, uh, I guess, you know, go way back, you know, I've been playing a lot of different kind of games, uh, you know, growing up, um, you know, I grew up with the age of uh, um, playing Pokemon Red, I'm a Pokemon Red person, uh, and then playing uh, the old uh, Zelda, Link's Awakening, and Game Boys, um, played, uh, like, bought the Xbox back in the day when it was new and then uh played played all those console games um uh and then from a professional standpoint i've been uh i you know study business and then study law the, you know the typical safe path that you know someone would take um um you know kind of as like an asian career um that career is not very rewarding and you know like it's it's rewarding and maybe financially speaking but like um from a kind of fun and, and enjoyment standpoint it was not very uh engaging and uh i was always very into like um tech in general i was i was really like a person hanging out in you know y combinators form hacker news all the time i read bitcoin back in the day when before bitcoin like crashed in the um I think crash was six dollars or something. It wasn't a top headline of Hacker News. Should have bought some then. Uh, but like, um, very into like tech. But then that was always very like tech VCs is always very focused in Silicon Valley. Um, so you know when crypto came about, and you know when when I heard about it in 2017 again, um, it was really an opportunity to um, you know move into. Um, this world of technology uh, without, you know, lo being located in Silicon Valley. So I took the jump and joined Spartan Capital. Um, you know, I was the first employee in Hong Kong, set up the fund, uh, learned about investing, and then uh, stayed with crypto during the bear market. I built a security token startup uh, during the bear market and then um, and then started, like, doing a lot of this DeFi um participating in a lot of the DeFi protocols. Um, so all started with um, the the compound yield farming uh, thing. Like I couldn't understand why someone would, you know, give me 30% APY. Uh, and then why I realized later was they're, you know, doing the loop where they're leveraging because people are, you know, compound was giving their compound tokens to users. So their real APY was like 200, 300% and then, you know, deduct that 30% APY cost. Um, so that was very fascinating. So I got really sucked into the whole DeFi farming um, um, arena, I guess. And then, um, and then, yeah, then uh, we invested and did pretty well during the, you know, bull market, um, mostly looking at like um, these, uh, um, these protocols where they're like kind of new uh, and then, you know, assessing where there's a kind of a product market fit and, you know, whether it's a token product may fit um, in, in many instances as well. And then, uh, you know, investing in early and hopefully, you know, picking out the right winners um, during that time. I did pretty well with that. Um, and then later, like uh, later last year, I was like looking at these um, uh, gaming, GameFi uh, projects and all everyone built was um, 
browser games. Um, you know, I you know I had my personal fun playing like old browser games like the Stickman, uh, uh, Flash games, and then um, the kind of the McDonald Farm it was like yield farming back then. Like you know, you you had put patties and stuff like that. Had yeah, fun, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Those were fun back in the day, but I didn't. But then those kind of died off, right? So. I'm kind of an opinion that we're we're going through this phase where our, all the games are kind of browser games, and then later they'll eventually you know phase out for more immersive experiences like a full uh, game experiences. So, so and then you know I because of that you know I decided to you know build ascenders because I thought that I had a much better idea of what we should build in in the game five space and something that's compelling to play as well. So. Yeah. Great, great. Um, then why don't we move on to? Uh, I think a good place to get kicked off on like ascenders would be like what did you initially see in like GameFi, and then what did you see, like? What were the problems that you see in like traditional GameFi, like axes and like uh, the earlier stuff, and then what are the improvements that you uh, sought to bring about? Yeah, I think. Um... I think the Axie is definitely like the the category winner. Um, you know, I, I you know, I, I, even though that you know, I would say the game is not for me to play. Um, I hugely respect what they've been doing, and they've been building a game uh, since 2018, and you know, stuck with it uh, during the bear market, and that kind of persistent and grit is you know worthwhile for anyone to respect. Um, I think that we've been we've been away. Uh, what what crypto has been doing very well is um, doing a lot of like forks. Uh, you know, people people in crypto always like some in you know CT always talk about how forks are kind of like um, not necessarily bad, but then it seems like low effort forks and stuff like that. How I saw it back then was that I think we were doing A-B testing in a very rapid scale and, and, and doing a lot of, and, and dealing A-B testing with money as well, which is super interesting. So a lot of economic experiments are are being done uh, at the stage of uh, the game, uh, well, a stage of, of crypto. But then I thought that, you know, we've been A-B testing the Axie model quite a bit. And I wish someone could, you know, think of something different and, and push push the game out um so you know the requiring players to buy uh, nfts to play the game is quite common design uh um and you know i think it was set off by axie and you know it worked out very well for axie um so like we see kind of like the same kind of design elements in many of these games um i i kind of i call these game five games mostly like um the fi 3.0 um, yeah, they're they're more like a you know the pool one pool two game that we we're used to play, and then now they have nicer graphics. Um, they have this character and just fit them NFTs there. Um, so those are, and, and and I think there's a market for that because obviously you know I had a bunch of fun playing the pool one pool two game. Um, you know when when it was it was hip back then. I kind I kind of got bored of it after a while. Um, now they've improved it with better graphics, um, a better backdrop, better story, better lore. Um, so there's a market for that. Uh, but then I don't think that's the future of GameFi. So 
I, I believe that like future of GameFi should be. So we have like the track record of you know playing the pool on pool two game for like maybe two three years, two years to be precise. I guess it's twenty two. Um, I don't know if the next five years that's still going to be a big thing. Uh, I think there's always going to be like that going on in crypto, but like for me, what was um, kind of timeless is uh, you know action RPG games that you see. Um, from the likes of Zelda, you know, and Game Boy and, and, you know, World of Warcraft and like all these games these days are more timeless as, as games. Um, and then if you add on a crypto or a financial element to it, it'll, it'll make the game very interesting, personally speaking. Yeah, no, I, I agree. We've definitely seen a lot of these. I mean, I think like Axie, I think was a little bit of a, um, it was a game with a pool too, but I think as we move deeper into like game five, we got like Wolf Game and the Sheep Game forks, and those yep. were all those were pretty much just uh, pool two farms at that point with NFTs. Um, yeah, so we had a few couple different renditions, and uh, yeah, I definitely think the branching away from the that pool two model, uh, like interactive DeFi, is almost what I call it. Uh, I think is a, a great approach. Yeah, and I think you got to skate where the puck's going to go, not where where it is right now, right? So right now it's it's evolution from DeFi 1.0, and then now we're DeFi 3.0. But like, if I'm going to make a compelling game, uh, and we're going to take some time to build it, you better you better think where the puck is going to go. And you know, we have that track record of like. Uh, uh, action RPG game being a, a genre that people love to play. Uh, so, if we start from that base and build like a, a like and add crypto elements to it, I personally think that's a very a compelling kind of a game to be played for many people. And the the size of the market, the TAM of the market is way higher, um, whereas most of the kind of the 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 DeFi three games right now, game five games right now are more like um, uh, catered and, and customized for crypto people or that existing in crypto and they understand how um, DeFi kind of works. Um, and we kind of have, my feeling is that I have friends that, like my lawyer friends been telling me about NFTs. Um, I was like, wow, you're late to the game. Uh, but like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, and then, but the interesting thing is, like, he doesn't understand all this DeFi kind of stuff. He's a smart guy, but he doesn't understand what this so pool one, pool two thing. What he understands is NFTs and collectibles, and he's been collecting watches and stamps all his life. So he understands the NFT part of it, but he doesn't understand the DeFi part of it. So he's like, oh, I really have to understand like how these um, the ape airdrop works and stuff like that. So like it was all new to him. And then, you know, it's like, it's in, in, I think there's a, like a generation of people who are, you know, got into this NFT cycle that don't understand how DeFi works. Um, so these game five games don't necessarily appeal to them or they don't understand how it works. Yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. Bacon. Oh, hey guys! Sorry, yeah. <laughs> hey guys, hey Jackson. Um, okay. Yeah, so I, I think uh, 
one point that you mentioned um, open world games and other other games that, that you enjoy playing, like WoW and um, and how that inspires senders. I think it's not only about the scale of the game um, and how fun it is, because that's kind of personal choice, right? But yeah, to to build like real stickiness for players. Um, there, there's a lot to be argued for why World of Warcraft has so much, so many players and and constant, you know, expansions and so many extensions of things on top of it. And it's, um, it's similar to like how you know layer one ecosystems spawn up, right? You have an ecosystem, and then you you have this brand like on Avax, and then um, you have this theme, and people get together. They have some incentives and and they succeed for a bit and now they're convinced and then whatever you pitch them whether it's 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 a a dax of farming nfts whatever they'll participate it's like i don't know what the word for that is but you know you see similar effects like on wallets and and axie themselves when they pitch now um uh land it was success when they came up with slp first was success axs and then ronin they all take it right and it all spawned from this game which is not because the game is fun but it's because it's it's designed to have a ton more add-ons and i think doing an open world game um and for web3 gaming is is definitely um makes it so much easier because you you have nfts you can bring in you have you know competitions you have different um expansion packs constantly and then people interact in this world and it's just open open-ended um by design and um versus like something very you know round focused or one game mode focused it's just a lot harder to pitch other types of social experiences or just let people hang out there or nfts so in in that side i think open world games are very compelling um yeah just, yeah i kind of i kind of feel that like um when i was thinking about it like what kind of game would be most suitable for the metaverse or the the web three um you know i think web metaverse by definition is a very wide or big area right so if you call like um maybe i always say a racing game a metaverse it's kind of a stretch because people don't hang out it's like people go there to race so if you want to talk about the metaverse it has to be as wide as possible and action rpg just fits the bill perfectly and the second thing is it's super interesting to have a full stack economy i I call this a full stack economy um so anything um that's out in, in the real world or outside of like in crypto, like for example, from the governance token to in-game currencies, to NFT, to NFT marketplace, to having like an in-game bank, um, to having an AMM, like that all fits naturally in the action RPG and someone could build like a, a derivative protocol on uh, some of our tokens or, or, or making, making a derivative, um, of some nfts in our game as well or a lending protocol for nft for our in-game that could be all built by third parties as well it could be built and it, it fits naturally to the game 
Whereas if you're building a FPS game or you're building a racing game, does the AMM make sense? Mm, not really. Um, the I guess the mark, NFT marketplace always makes sense because they have NFTs in, in it. But like, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have that kind of depth, um, uh, in my opinion. And that's why we, I wanted to do an action RPG game because I feel like we could build a platform, a game which is compelling, and then have a platform for people to build third-party um, um, services on top, right, uh, on, a, on a game as well. So I think that's that's what makes an action RPG more compelling as a game genre than the other games out there, um, you know, uh, um, that we you know traditionally like to play. Uh, so you know that's that's why we decided to do an action RPG game. Yeah, that that's it's that open endedness. I think we're we're excited about as well. Like you know, the current um, uh, the the leaderboards uh, with the the challenge, the compact challenge. It's it, the to to showcase kind of your your view there and share it on Twitter. Like you can't really do that with a card game, right? And and later on, you know, if if and when it becomes you know potentially multiplayer. Um, even though it's a game, you can have multiple, just people kind of join and around an NPC and hang out. They do this in every MMO. And is that like, you can't really argue that it's different from a metaverse experience, right? When WoW is an event. So um, it's just very natural. So yeah, I totally agree there. Yeah. I, yeah. That's why we decided to do uh yeah, action RPG game is just much more immersive, um, and um, um, I think yeah, it's much more immersive than any other kind of genre games out there. Um, and that's a the that's best kind of platform uh, that we could build a, a interactive world kind of thing. So yeah, awesome. Yeah, I just wanted to chime in there. It's it's something I've been thinking about, like games. So uh, I guess a, a big question that I've been thinking about recently um, would be uh, how do you think, and this relates more back to like play to earn games, and uh, I, I was wondering if you see a future for play to earn games or if they're going their demise is going to be uh, giving out too many tokens to to. Um, you know, scholars or whatever, and then they eventually tank their economy that way. Uh, do you think there's a path forward for play to earn economies or do you think, uh, or do you think, do you have a, another kind of bull thesis on these other kinds of like metaverse economies where it's more, uh, like consumer, uh, like, uh, creator based economies? Yeah, actually like, um, I, I'm I'm still a, a a big bull on on GameFi and in crypto play to earn games. Uh, I I don't think play play to earn by it's. I don't want to go to semantics too much. Um, play to earn is kind of like a bit like extractive. Um, so you play the game to earn money out of the the game. So it feels like more of a job. Where uh, I think um, our friends at Sharpnel. Um, um, also mention uh, a term that I think they they've tried to coin is play to own. 
So you're playing the game to own the assets of the game. So you own more of the assets, or you own more of the more of the game um, while you play the game. And I think that's a much more compelling uh, like proposition. So you're not trying to play to earn. You're trying to play the game so you own lands in the game. You own items in the game. So you you actually like player owns the game rather than the developer owning the game and you're just a participant um or 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 passenger while i'm driving the car as a game developer so i think um i think that's much more compelling as as a as a proposition um you know um i you know i kind of feel like that like um a lot of these games rely on a lot of ponzionomics and ponzionomics is great um um and you know, personally, have a lot of fun with Fonzies, uh, um, participating in them mostly. Um, but then the, the the problem with that is that um, they come and go really quickly um, because because of its nature. Like it, it rises crazy high and, and it falls really really quickly as well. Whereas you know, if you see like the most profitable games out there or profitable products out there, I mean, they always have a very long uh, life cycle. I mean. The games that we like to play, League of Legends, CS, um, those games have an insane life, um, like a, a lifespan to that game. Um, and and if you could play that game and own the assets in the game, um, and you know you have that, you know, five, six, seven, ten year uh, longevity, that's incredibly uh, empowering for the players um, to to own those. Uh, in-game assets in my opinion so um yeah i kind of see that like uh these uh ponzi games as a phase um but then there's always room for that you know there's always room for the dgen uh and you know that's kind of like a bit like a bit like the the crypto uh market a little bit so you know i you know i don't want to step too badly on these uh, uh ponzi economics games I, you know there is always a market for it and you know it's always fun to to farm a ten thousand apy kind of uh, a pool uh personally speaking um but yeah i think uh like we we have to have a, like a longer time frame in thinking about developing games uh and developing products um personally speaking so do you think the the play and own um aspect with the illiquid nfts uh, do you think that's a better course of uh like play to earn because the, the illiquid nature of the nfts or is it uh because of the rarities attached and the utilities attached to the nfts or um yeah how i guess what i'm asking is like how does the the play and own like differentiate from the the play and earn if if you can. Uh... Yeah, I, I don't know if it's it's semantics, but like uh, the the game itself have to be compelling for you to want to own it. Yeah. Um So it's like it's a bit like playing uh buying like sneakers. I mean, back in the day, I mean, you buy sneakers because you think it looks awesome, and you buy it not because you think it'll appreciate in price. Now nowadays, there are people flipping sneakers, but you buy it because you love it and you own it and you, 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 you use it until it's worn out and you throw it away. Right. But like, like that's 
more of what you know a normal consumer behavior is um these days i think what we're 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 looking at is play to earn or play to own or these are kind of we're kind of financializing games uh and i think that's a a trend that we're kind of seeing a lot i think uh uh in the real world because you know like fed's been inflating money like uh, crazy amounts um um and you kind of see people like um like there's a lot of people like flipping uh, or or investing into watches so in the, in the past you just buy a watch because it looks cool now it's like an investment but then it's investment you'd also wear and, and flex your wealth and something like that so i i kind of see like like um that games can be like so the game has to be compelling itself for people to buy uh people buy this skin and you you buy a skin in league of legends because it's cool you know like you don't think about flipping it um so the game has to be compelling in that sense uh and then you know um you could the fact that as secondary value to it may make it more attractive um to invest more or, or buy you spend more money on it um i think that's the market uh the, the nft market right now um like people enjoy it enjoy collecting it or enjoy looking at it and then they also think oh maybe you know there's a like maybe we could flip it at the same time so it's like uh, it's like utility is collectible and uh there is a kind of financial uh game to it um that some people enjoy as well so um yeah and games make it you know there's utility to the items and you know there is a maybe a financial value to it and you could flip it if you, if you wanted to but yeah it's very interesting uh um and we see that in the real world as well so i you know it's not a big surprise for you know um i think the play to earn economy or or financialization of games is here to stay um because we see that out in the real world as well yeah yeah i i agree uh i i thought what you said about csgo was also really interesting because I saw CL posted once uh, something once about uh, CS:GO skins, oh, how yes. the vast majority of CS:GO skins were only on the market one time, and then they just went to a seller who or a buyer who wanted to own it, and then that buyer never went on to sell. So, uh, unlike like SLP, like is the the biggest example, like SLP has gone from went on a big boom from three cents to like thirty or forty cents. And now it's back down to, I think it bottomed at like a penny and a half or something. So uh, I think there is an argument for these uh, in-game assets versus just liquid tokens that you can literally extract value from, much more so than illiquid. Yeah, I think um, what's, I think like how I saw it was um, these fungible tokens um the thing about fungible tokens is that there's no emotional attachment to it i think people yep. didn't get crypto or didn't get bitcoin didn't get eth because you buy it and you know or at least bitcoin you buy it and there's nothing you can do with it or eth in the past as well and ETH you do a lot of things these days but you buy it and you you just see charts so that was not very engaging for most people uh no, most people aren't traders um and then when the NFT wave came about, the reason why it took off so hard with 
a lot of uh, people has never been into crypto before is because you could visually see it and then you're like oh that's cool um yep i think that 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 transition makes and, and then there's an emotional attachment to it you kind of see it with like like pudgy penguin the penguin is me uh, i am the penguin <laughs> yes <itself>. yeah <laughs> yeah um and then you know with azukis and 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 a board apes as well like people are seeing their identity with the nft itself so it's it's becoming very powerful as uh, because people are emotionally attached to their nfts in some sense um and that's a and you know if you put it in a game context that's it's it's super powerful because now not only you could look at in your your twitter avatar you could actually walk around in that skin in a game uh, and and you would talk to people in that skin as well so that's even more compelling as experience um for for people who want to buy these game assets in my opinion yeah i, I very much agree um i think i saw someone post recently how how people nft people on twitter will post goodbye old friend to a picture that they've owned for three months <laughs> And that's very much the the, the dynamic with NFTs. Uh, you get the emotional attachment. Yeah, and then hopefully the the like the the way out of the SLP kind of dilemma, uh, like the is that you you create or you allow the players to create these NFTs that they're emotionally attached to, and they just want to keep collecting it. Um, it's like stamps, right? I mean, stamps most stamps don't have much of a value. I mean, unless you it's super rare and super valuable, but like people just keep collecting them. And, you know, like you just look at the collection, you look at books and if you flip through books and you're like, Ooh, this, this looks very satisfying because you have the full collection or, or with Pokemon cards as well. Like I'm actually very into like watching like people open Pokemon packs and stuff like that. And like, like flipping a Charizard and stuff like that. It's yeah, a strange it's thing. No, it's I, to watch. Yeah, I, sure. I I get it. <laughs> I 100% yeah. understand. Yeah, it's interesting. But like um, the guy who collected like uh, all the Charizards saw the Charizard as an investment. So it's very interesting. It's collectible and investment at the same time. Um, so it's a, it's a fascinating thing. Uh, I guess when growing up, I wish I, I thought more about it and collected and collected all the Gen one Charizards, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's very classic. Yeah, I think a lot of people, especially from you know these later generations, like millennials onward, I think they very much understand the the value of collectibles. As all their games have gone from you know a couple of dollars in the last couple of decades to now you know hundred dollars, like Nintendo sixty four and all this. So uh, I think there is a big uh, consumer. Uh, collectible market out there and then even more as we get into the the virtual age which i mean we all we all know um yeah you know, I, I i i think um in the game context like looking at i, I play a lot of csgo and i um i have like three thousand hours on it um nice wow yeah <laughs> But um, you know, take like the most expensive skin, like the Dragon Lore, most you know um, rare uh, op skin. Like people, I'm sure I, there are probably a ton of people that use it as profile pictures. Uh, it's it's very expensive, and and it's 
Is it um, is it, if it's in another game and the same rarity uh, and even the same number of players, or if it even is super powerful, people probably might they might not necessarily like it that much. But it's it's CS, right? Like you said, um, the fact that the franchise is so long and CSGO alone is like 10 year. Uh, yeah, just over 10 years now. Um, it's, it's pretty crazy, the, the, the longevity. And when you have these kind of moments and they also have souvenirs and special events where um, sometimes there are like clutch moments in a tournament and this guy, like Simple, one of the best players, he did this crazy thing. And there's like this souvenir skin that's, and a sticker that's meant just for him. People collect that. And and those kind of experiences only come when people can play like thousands of hours in a game. And um, I think this this can be applicable uh, for designing games. Like, you, obviously, it's a very stretch goal. There are only a handful of games that last 10 years plus. But um, if your game can potentially, you know, have that kind of effect it'll be it'll be quite amazing like wow for example someone must use their wow uh um character as their profile picture i'm sure tons of people do if those are nfts like that doubles as a collectible right other than just the game so definitely definitely for sure um and and i think an interesting point also is to talk about like um i think what games are what's really cool about game is that we have our own experiences in the game. Right. So like, you know, back in wow, there was the Leroy event, you know, like it's kind <laughs> yeah. of staged, but like, uh, it was like, cool. Like you I mean, you play with your friends and you had the memories of, of, of playing the game and you like, you know, it's really just a map and, you know, like a few guns and stuff like that. But then you remember the Epic moments where you like, you jumped out and then you you randomly shot uh, uh no scope and then you wall banged uh, like two guys off yeah the like, damn that's like good like you remember those memories and and those kind of stories are very compelling because um you know you you look back with fondness uh, or, or or you know whereas you know you watch a movie it's the, the, the story is given to you and you know you might feel something from watching that story that the narrative that's a very captive narrative um watching many of these movies or, or tv shows but like it's not a unique experience for the players itself right so i think what games games can create is these unique experiences um and you know it's it's really the same kind of assets the same game out there but then you know that kind of feeling and experiences that you play in the game is, is very compelling. And that's why like, like Twitch is such a um, successful platform is because people love watching streamers play the game. Um, and they're the streamers is telling their own story and, uh, or, or, you know, doing some crazy feat in the game. And that's like compelling for people to watch. Um, so, um, so yeah, I think I'm, I'm very bullish on games in in general, um, especially if you build a long lasting franchise of of you know games, um, then you've really got a gold mine in in that super valuable um, as as a as a as an asset. Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, I I hope for the day where um, there are a handful of um, blockchain games that have lasted so long that I remember my memories in them. Uh, and with the M6 team, like that would be that'd be really cool. I wish I would take those as NFTs and never sell them. Yeah, that's the that that's the that's the like the way out of this. Um, Ponzi yield farm, yeah, farm kind of, to uh, earn, yeah, uh, yeah, like farm to earn kind of a dilemma is is building a a game so awesome that you know people play for ten years and you don't mind just buying something and diamond handing it for forever. The skin is like is like Genesis, you know, like it's like I was there on day one, and you know, you're not going to sell it for for life because you know you remember like minting it or, or or getting it to support the team in day one and you know the game like five years six years later you're like you know you're the og you know you, you know that that's compelling and, and i think that's what what's missing i kind of like i hope to that's what we hope to achieve with senders is you know build a long-lasting game where you know people want to own the assets um not just not not just by financial it's just because you know it shows how you've been supporting the team and you you you've maybe bought some of these assets that help funded this, this game in, in itself right and and that's i think a very compelling like uh, a very compelling uh um experience um that i hope to um uh give to our our supporters as well so um and that's what we're trying to aim for um that's going to be awesome to to have a game that this iconic you know um from from and from the blockchain age yeah it's flex right like i i like mentioning that i played so much cs even though i wish i hadn't but you were oh okay you actually play a lot of cs um you know imagine if uh, ascender is super successful and we tell them oh yeah we like grinded a leaderboard like a thousand times like that's that is somewhat flex, right? So, yeah, I mean the leaderboard game is not really a full game, to be honest. It's yeah, but like, <laughs> it was kind of like a, a like a, a thing we wanted to build and showcase that we can build a game more like that. Uh, but like, uh, yeah, but then people play the, the the leaderboards and then maybe they get uh, um, the alpha pass in their game or or they support it when we sell or um, or different entities out there, uh, uh, you know they're there in the beginning uh, i think that's that's cool i think uh um yeah i think that's cool um awesome uh do we have um more game stuff uh luke uh yeah so i i heard this today and i thought this was an interesting take um it's more about metaverses more than anything uh, where, and the take was that the open world metaverses that we see in, uh, like Ready Player One, and I've never watched the movie, so don't, first of all, don't yep. chastise me, and, uh, I don't really know what I'm talking about, I guess, but, um, the open metaverses in, uh, that we see in, like, Ready Player One, where it's just, like, a conglomerate of, you know, uh, I... Uh, I, I heard someone have a take that they're not really bullish on that, but they're more bullish on like story-based metaverses. And um, yeah, and I, I think there's a, a whole bunch of other metaverses that we could list off to, like creator-based uh, metaverses and um, yeah, whatever else you want to 
uh, storm up. But do you have a particular like bull thesis on what metaverses that you're most bullish on, or um, yeah, any thoughts on this? I mean, I mean, metaverse is one of those terms that sounds great, and you know, you you kind of it's like cloud, it's like cloud computing, it's like ooh. You know, yeah. it's like what what does it actually mean? Like, uh, I, I don't think everyone knows what what the metaverse should be and what uh, my my definition is very broad. It, like that, my definition of the metaverse hopefully is is a place where people hang. You know, people hang out. Um, so right now, you could say you know this Twitter uh, place is kind of like the metaverse or Discord uh, channel is, is the metaverse is because people are hanging there, right? And hopefully we could create a compelling game experience where people would log into the game not just to play the game, not to fight any monsters, just cool to hang out a place. Um, I, think, uh, I think I think it's incredibly interesting where like in this, especially in this age where um, I went to the Eva Summit, right? And you know, like most of the people I met there was people I met online. Um, and never see I I've only seen the avatar. <laughs> I haven't really yeah. you know, <laughs> know what they look like until I see them. Like, hey, you're you're uh, you're you're Ed or you're Ed, you're you're somebody else, and you're like, oh my god, like I finally met in person. But like, we're I mean, that's crypto in 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 a sense where we're like everybody kind of like. Uh, you know, kind of knows each other. Uh, you know, you talk to them a lot, uh, you know, through Telegram or, or Twitter and stuff like that, but you don't have that. You're, you're connected through a common interest. Um, and, you know, that might be crypto. It might be a game, right? It might be a game or it might be um, a certain interest group that you, you know, you liked watching one of the movies and you have a community on it or it's like a Pokemon community. So I'm kind of like, I don't think of I don't think I'm bullish on any particular metaverse. I'm just bullish on uh, like if if a game or or and an, you know through audio uh, like this is 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 a place where people hang out and it's like a town hall. Um, um, that is it in itself a very compelling. Uh, I very bullish on 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 that aspect of the metaverse uh, uh, put in air quotes. Um, um, so yeah, that's, that's how I think about it. Um, so if you could create, you know, if senders is a, as a, as a compelling action RPG game where people would just, you know, go and hang, you know, like, and talk um, and, and, you know, that's very, uh, that's very compelling. That would be a very, very valuable, um, you know, um, so yeah, I think Zuck yes. thinks you know it's VR, and you know, and in in you you do a lot of fancy things with VR. And you could, um, you know, his vision was like, uh, you know, everyone wears these song these quests, and you could tap on someone's shoulders. There's more of a spontaneous, like you could be more spontaneous. Where you know, you know, if your team is remote, then you want to speak to someone, then you schedule a call. Um, and then when you schedule a call, there's a purpose to it, and that kind of kind of defeats the kind of sp- like spontaneity of, of that kind of event happening. Whereas, you know, if we're physically in a space, we can 
you know, spontaneously talk to people and stuff like that. So I, 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 I think that kind of vision is, is right. As in like, um, hopefully we could create an experience where, you know, you just log on and check it out. Oh, if anyone's here and if you see some person, you chat with them, you hang out with them, that kind of thing. I think yeah, I'm exactly. very bullish on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that's a broad definition, but I think that's also very like specific to, uh, what's what makes a lot of games is that social element. Um, like going back to the games that we've played, I've had the most fun on the games where I can play with friends. And um, yeah, so j I think just having that social element and then keeping that in mind and at the front of their mind, I think is is definitely bullish uh, when looking and, and evaluating a lot of these metaverses and, and games. So. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like people always talk about this metaverse as a, a thing in the future, and then you, you, I, you know, I think about it, and you wake up, uh, you, uh, for example, I, I'm on Zoom calls or, or or Google meetups, I'm on Discord, talking with the team and stuff like that. I'm on Slack as well as like, and I'm, I'm like talking to these people that are you know not physically close to me, and maybe that is the metaverse in in itself, right? But like, it's not as uh, I mean, there, there, the weaknesses is it's not a, like a compelling experiences yet. Um, so hopefully we could maybe the the reality is is virtual reality or, or augmented reality where we could have a very compelling experience um, and create that spontaneity. Uh, um, but yeah, I think uh, you know games is definitely a one way we could unite people with a common interest. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's cool. I think as a, like a metaverse. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I, I think it's overall not even like what we prefer or the way people interact, they all have preferences, right? Man? But it's, um, definitely seeing how people are just showing up into one place and then like able to strike a conversation with each other. Like that's, um that's achieving the point and then whatever the medium is through a game and then even discord right if you're setting up like a private discord DAO and you're running that as a project like are people actually joining and then finding value and and becoming a contributor and owning part of that discord like that's that's a text metaverse right so if you're curating an experience to be very you know different types of channels there are projects like that so um i think that's that's really good um way to think about it is uh are people actually engaging and in this just showing up and interacting in a town hall type of setting yeah yeah I'm, I'm i'm just less bullish on like uh many of these uh games that you can you, you better publish uh you know um maybe like the central and you go up you you it's loaded in a browser it's it's incredibly impressive feat that could be loaded in a browser and you look at it it's like empty and it's like in the buildings there's lands that people don't build on and you know like it's you walk around there's no one around it's like NPCs and stuff like that it's like eh, it's kind of like uh, is, that, is that the metaverse I was like I'm like, uh, probably not like like jumping on a, a live discord where you have like a thousand community member talking around and, and, you know, like sharing screens and stuff like that, that to me is much more lively. Uh, and that's like, I'm much more bullish on, on that element, uh, than like 
you know, getting hyped up on VR or hyped up on these games where there's no one hanging out there. Um, so, you know, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, yep. that's how I got seated. Awesome. Uh, should we move on to main narratives now? And sure, yeah, let's talk about some stuff that's interesting as well, like that we're we've been seeing. <clears throat> okay, um, and then Jackson, for any of this stuff, just feel free to jump in whenever. Um, we're just going to cover a bunch of stuff, and then it's just great to get other people's insights and then what they think. Sure. Um, yeah. So, I think probably the best place to start right now is like the the pool four announcement, uh, probably. Um, yeah, I, I've been kind of busy the last couple of days, so I haven't looked into it too much, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just what, know with the pool, uh, I'm sorry, what was that? What What's the announcement? Um, yeah, uh, hold on, I, pool forward? yeah, I, I'm spacing out on it right now, so I have to like pull up from our uh, our list. Is this a new type of DeFi? Is that what it is? Um, I'm. Can we bring Card Farm up? (laughs) I know he probably knows what it is. Um, man, I. You put me on the spot right now. I'm. Yeah, it'd be good to have a link. Um, something I've been looking at is like a cross-chain stuff, like Omnichain. Um, yeah, yeah, the the first like cross-chain NFT that came up. Um, there's quite a few like projects that are taking advantage, and then like we're actually building cross-chain stuff, and now we're like, okay, this is the next big thing. Um, uh, I. I don't know. Uh, it's it's cool. It's it's the NFT is. I don't know if that's the use case for it, but I could see you know protocols balancing their own contracts deployed on multiple chains and like optimizing stuff. That could be cool. Um, but uh, yeah, curious of you guys' takes. I I just think it's a, a like a cool marketing ploy, right? I mean, they're 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 selling a bridge, and you know what's the best way to 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 advertise their bridge with NFTs, and then create like a like cool little games. You'd go from uh, like NFTs could be minted in this chain and, and that chain, and then you could bridge over using our bridge, and then uh, collect some stuff. And there, I mean, you could do some cool stuff. Um, like in different chains and you know stuff like that but like is that really a compelling like game experience in in my opinion like you have to go from harmony chain to like avax and then go to eth and you know like and then you're in your metamask changing the like the 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 rpcs and stuff like that and you're like it's kind of like it's kind of like it's kind of kind of like i i feel like that's I think it's a really smart and effective way to advertise the bridge, uh, and like say that you know um, multi chain is here, uh, um, and I kind of like remember reading uh, one of uh, one of the prominent VCs out there also talking about like um, in the future, you know, you don't have to care what the underlying technology of what 
your your the blockchain isn't all this um uh it, uh, will be abstracted in, in the background. Uh, I think it's ABC. Um, yeah, he's a very highly, uh, yeah, sought after VC in New York. Um, so, you know, he thinks that the, you know, jumping from chain to chain is, is such a technical feat that it's not, it's not a very compelling user experience and it should all be all in the background. So, you know, is the future of NFTs talking about like jumping chain to chain i'm kind of like uh don't think so but like but you could do some cool stuff when in, in, in cool stuff and in, in cool stories and stuff like that you know jumping chain to chain so it shows how familiar with you are with all these chains and know know all the dexes and and all the nft marketplaces there but like it's kind of like uh, it's kind of okay i think definitely worth playing around you know i think the same. I don't think NFTs is a use case for this. Uh, I, yeah, it's because it's not cross-chain yet. Like, if if you were actually doing something that can exist and on one chain only, and and um, you know you have one chain for some specific thing, another chain for some other specific thing, and then you combine these, uh, then that that's cool. But yeah, it's pretty early to say for that. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, if I can talk back on pool four, pool four yep. is introduced recently by, uh, by Terra and, uh, essentially what pool four is, it's, it's a curve pool, uh, that's going to have uh, UST frax, uh, USDC and, uh, USDT. And, um, pretty much the idea around it is UST and frax, they compete for uh, against each other for uh, CVX and CRV emissions, and uh, this will. Um, yeah, sorry, I haven't read all of this yet, but th this is going to. Uh... <laughs> I think the key thing is they're emitting dye, right? Um, so pool three is UST, oh. uh, USDC, and then dye, and then they're thinking dye is a centralized, like it's not a decentralized. Uh, uh, stable coin and warp is so many of this reserve is just usdc so um so they're creating pool four uh kind of in a way to kind of defeat it i that's my understanding uh i've been really reading into it a little bit too much but like i think that's what's <laughs> yeah i'm very much in the same spot as you um i kind of know a little bit about it but i don't know the full scope of it um yeah, and I, I, the bigger news that goes along with this, I think, is uh, Frax is going to follow the Luna model, and then they're going to start acquiring um, uh, L1 tokens uh, proportionate to their Frax usage. So they're going to start buying uh, like um, Ethereum, uh, AVAX, FTM, and whatever chain uses their uh, token. And that's how they're going to back their stable coins similar to what luna is doing with bitcoin that's cool um i think that makes sense yeah i think because yeah right right now stable coins is all the hype and in the future of finance is decentralized stable coins i think what those quantum is doing is very smart is like you know it at 
good times, that's when you raise and, and you prepare for rainy times. And that's why they have the reserve of Bitcoin. And I think that's what Frax is doing as well. So, I mean, it's, it's smart for them to, to do so. I think that's, you know, that's they're doing the right thing. Um, because when the rainy day comes, you know, that's when you have to use the reserve. Um, and you only get those rainy day reserves when, you know, uh, you know, in, in, a, uh, in a good, in a good bull market, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. That's actually very good insights there. They're, they kind of have to make this move, uh, yeah, in order for their or, stable coin to keep peg. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a confidence reserve, right? Um, so, yes. you know, you kind of see what waves have kind of blown up, right? Because, you know, they didn't have enough time to, Build up the reserves. Uh, I think they had the same. They had the same mechanism as 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 Luna, as, as I read and understand it. Um, didn't dig too deep into uh, all this right now. I'm focused on building my game, but like from my understanding, yeah, um, and, you know, they just didn't have the reserve to to back it up. Uh, you know, and you know, Luna has that hype and in in and prestige. Um, so so you know, it's very good move for for all the founders to prepare for a rainy day yeah yes i'm i'm uh i'm very bullish on what is it fxs now and uh yeah i think this is going to be a, a pretty explosive narrative i think this is probably going to be a narrative that we're going to see a lot more protocols enter into as well and uh i probably it's probably only going to be like frax and terror probably going to be the biggest ones i, I would assume Biggest winners, anyways. They're pretty um, good teams. Yeah, you you could you could play this different ways, right? Like, um, if you're a very new protocol and you're doing this, it might just be that you're trying to get market share in those later chains and and newer chains with uh, you could with backholders. But I mean, um, UST team, like obviously they're they're in this for backing the UST stability. Frax team, they, they've been, you know, less capital aggressive, but still very much um, focused on Frax status. But yeah, I think definitely good. Um, I don't know if <clears throat> other stable stable start doing this. I'd be like, oh yeah, this is bullish, but um, this is a cool way to do it. It definitely makes it um, uh been more uh trustworthy for for stability so yeah i think it's too early to call a winner i mean definitely frax design and, and luna design is doing pretty well but like what the uh, you know there's different ways to skin a cat um so like the min model was pretty good magic internet money abracadabra did really well but like uh you know before the whole sifu fiasco um, what they did was kind of like you you take Exushi, like all the assets that people aren't competing for. Uh, everyone's competing for the same assets, USDT, USDC, um, DAI and all that stuff. Um, but like Magic Internet Money took all the assets that like Exushi, like all the stuff that people like you can stake it. It's not competing, but actually it has underlying value. It's backed by something and therefore you could create MIM as a stable coin piece is actually backed by real assets. So that was another model that was very smart. Um, 
yeah and there's the olympus experiment as well but like it was not it was more like a a ponzi than a a, a stable coin project it was, nothing about it was stable yeah <laughs> but yeah, um, it was a fun game <laughs> but yeah i think uh there's different experiment designs that you know people could come up with i think it would you would play around with the same features i think we've really explored through the design space quite a lot but yeah i think i still think that there's opportunity for uh, up-and-coming winners to come about but like that brand and, and that um like durability of that brand uh is is hard to replicate like it's like bitcoin it's like Bitcoin brand is such so such dur there's such durability with the Bitcoin brand that it's hard to defeat it now and so much people believe in it. Um so I think you know, I think maybe Luna and maybe maybe less so Frax, if they could create that kind of brand, um, that you know, they're always gonna be stable and there's always people convicted to um peg it back to one dollar. I mean, that's hard to repl- that's harder to replicate, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I strong in that sense. It's been, it's just yeah. been around for much longer, and not only like people's perception, but also a lot of times, uh, it's like the default, um, like conversion units rather than like if you are in a very ETH maxi DAP, then it would be um how many die, not how many USD, and even if the transaction they don't don't do any transaction it's the unit so um yeah wish there are uh um better or not better but like other projects that could achieve that that's um definitely yeah good future for for algo staples uh, on a side note i mean i thought about using luna's stablecoin design for our game um so like we have our governance token and we have our stable coin uh, that's used in all our, of our games, uh, all transaction games. And you, um, you know, the more people want to buy assets in our game, the more of the stable coins that they would need to buy. And, you know, you would burn the governance tokens to mint those, uh, mint those stable coins. So I thought about that as a, as a game design. I think that's super compelling. Um, it's just a, I just don't want to run a DeFi project on top of a GameFi project, which is incredibly complex already. So, you know, that's a definitely an interesting uh, uh, thing that I could we could consider later. But like, I just didn't want to do like you know, in case of DPEGs and you know all this stuff. Then not only have you, you have a game to manage, but you also have to manage also the DeFi component as well. So. That's why I ruled against it, but like, um, it's definitely very compelling because the most important thing about stablecoin is making sure that you know people would actually use it, right? But if you know if you create a very compelling game that people love to play, and then you create a stablecoin from that from the governance token, um, first is a very effective governance token uh, uh, value capture mechanism. It's like the more velocity and more people are playing the game, the more they have to burn the governance token to stabilize the peg back to one. Um, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, and then you could create use case. You could create use people. I don't know what people use Frax dollars for. Um, uh, people use it to farm, I think. Um, but like, 
you know, if we create a compelling game and we carry a stable and everyone's buy assets in our game using our stable coin, that's you, know, you, you could bootstrap like a, a, a Luda, like a whole ecosystem from from having a, a governance token pegged to a stable coin kind of design. So that's like one of the things that we, we thought about a little bit, thought about a little bit about, but like we're like, ah, it's a bit too, ah, don't want to do too much it's too much it's too much complication building games hard enough and then you have to build a a DeFi stable coin on top of it um so haven't ruled that out completely i still think it's very compelling design um but like it's 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 way more complicated because it's you're building it's good ponzinomics <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you could create like you create like for example you create lands and you create like these nfts and it's only bought with the stable coin so you would have to burn like any people buy a lot of the stable coins then you have to burn a lot of our governance token so it's yeah. like you're creating demand for 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 the stable coin and and, and it's it, it through you know building an incredible game and if you build a series of different games and use the whole the single stable coin that would make the you you would be able to bootstrap like a stable coin, uh, you know, through the utility of having many games using it. Um, but yeah, it's a interesting thought experiment. Uh, but yeah, this, I just thought to raise that up since we're talking about stable coins and games at the same time. But it's a definitely interesting thing to yeah. think about. Yeah, I've heard it's interesting, other... but there's a lot of concerns. Yeah, go ahead, Bacon. I've heard other like um teams uh that have uh need for stable coin um like explore uh uh algo stables and using some of the yield that uh is like actually ponzi yield that's from the um stable coin and rewarding that for certain in-game activities uh which contribute to like boost game um but it's just still very high level ideas but I, i've seen products and they're like trying to replace that um replace up missions um yeah you know i would like to see like other teams try experiment a little bit more and you know if we see a successful model then we could just adopt it um the key to this model is creating a game that people want to play first, so they, so they want to use the stable coin. Otherwise, you, you create a little stable coin with really no usage, and 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 it's it, the whole thing falls apart. So it's the stable coin design have to be smart for sure, um, but then that could be forked, right? Um, as long as you create a compelling game, and then you fork the stable coin design, uh, the mechanics, then then you have the best of both worlds right um so like um, so it's it's it goes back to creating a good game first and then thinking about the 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 stable coin design um so yeah i think best to just focus on making a good game than 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 getting distracted with making a a, a, like a a luna model okay um yeah away from that uh some more alpha that I stumbled upon this week um, was Moonbeam is going to make uh, their own dedicated L2s. So Moonbeam currently does 15 transactions per second, uh, which is going to be upped with some updates. 
but kind of how they see their future is more uh, kind of like Oasis or like with Avalanche subnets, sort of, um, where they have these L2 specific layers on top of their chains to better serve. Um, the example that I heard mostly was metaverses. So like a game can spin up their own L2 and then have um, their own metaverse hosted in that L2. Um, so yeah, that's some alpha that I heard this week. That's pretty much exact copy of back subnets. Um, <laughs> is exact copy is exact copy like of it's, uh, it's down to the kind of uh, brand target, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Uh, I just cool, thought. Yeah, a little bit of a bullish narrative there. Um, and then I'm just going to go through the rest of the news and then we can see if there's anything we want to talk about. Um, Secret Shockwave uh, update is going to be April 27th. Um, Mina's been popping off a lot. They have the, I think it was a $250 million ecosystem grant, or no, a $100 million ecosystem grant. Um Solo's had a pretty impressive week, along with Nier. Um, also, we've had the beginnings of, like, Polkadot season. Uh, like, we've seen, like, A-Star show a lot. And then, um, yeah, Glimmer and Moonbeam both rally. Uh, what else? Uh, TweetDAO popped up for a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. More uh, dumb than anything. Yeah. No, no, and, that... I think it's got some, some cool thought experiment. Yeah, I don't see it much more other than that, though. Um, do you have a, a long-term bull thesis or anything on it? Bacon? Yeah, I thought about it because like, um, it's how you represent... What's the leanest way you can represent um, your... Uh, represent and verify like, your uh, Web3 identity? through cryptography, not through, um, like, a user password uh, and the database. So TweetDAO, they, they do it by, like, um, you have this uh, front end that checks if you own the NFT, and then if you own one M NFT, you can tweet once on their uh, account. But um, this is, like, the, the, the account is pretty stupid, right? People's tweets are pretty stupid. But... yeah. It's like, okay, you NFTs are they live on forever, right? Even if this account dies. So what someone can do is like later on, um, they can spin up the same um another account called TweetDAO V2, TweetDAO V3 indefinitely. And then as long as they verify the same NFTs, um, you know, it it technically is the same group and same identity. And you can even go further and say, okay, instead of you know, um, rely on the front end, let's just verify, like include a ether scan signature or something and uh, encoding our message. Then like it shows like, okay, NFTs can really represent like cross platform, like um, verification of, of you logging in um, on anywhere through like cryptography and, and, uh, if you if anyone builds a brand around that, like that's uh that brand will live on and uh yeah, like I, I don't know, just I think that, that thought is cool. Uh 
uh, not sure if I, I explain it clearly. Um, yeah, I think I, I picked up most of what you put down. Yeah, like the tweet that brand, right? It's like there's a lot of stuff that's stupid stuff in, on their Twitter, but um, this could live on. And um, at some point, as long as someone keeps backing up every everything that TweetDAO has officially verified from its NFT holders and, and published online, that altogether is a immutable history right of this social media account um not necessarily because it's lives on chain but all under the same rule of you have to own an nft and you verify that you own the nft and then you set this so how many eggs do you own i own like <laughs> a lot but uh <laughs> i know i haven't tweeted on there yet yeah he's he's gonna dump on you guys <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> It's like one, like point five ETH. It's not a lot. So. Yeah, ba Bacon's already eyeing up what minting the Twitter DAO, <laughs> dumping tweet DAO on you. Um, you know, I think it's a it's an interesting idea. Um, yeah, it's a weird idea though. But but yeah, it's a it's showcasing something really Web three. Yeah. Uh, I have to write down this idea before I forget it. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I, uh, I'm just gonna. Okay. Um. So the rest of this news. Um. We have like the layer zero. This is more like last week too. Uh. I think STG is still doing pretty well. This is something I haven't paid too much attention in, but it's something that's I resent myself for not looking into too much. Um. Is the layer zero narrative? Um, and then, like, all. Oh, we did? <laughs> uh, and then, like, last week or so, we also had the music NFTs narrative. And that was pretty much like the last two weeks wrapped up. Yeah, music NFTs. I. Yeah, not, no idea, to be honest. Um, yeah uh, yeah very much the same i understand the ownership of music and you know wanting to own your albums uh but i yeah i don't really necessarily have a, a bull thesis on this yet i think that's all time to come i think it's like uh if you're an artist uh some tangible thing i heard is like um people all focus on the product of like uh, like we're gonna distribute the revenue um, from the place to all the NFT holders, but um, the bigger point was there's just such a big gap between um, how much publishers and labels are making versus artists. That um, if today you have really good music, you mint these as NFTs instead of uh, like a releasing on spotify you will make more money like for sure even if these songs get streamed a ton over 10 years so it shows like a, a big difference of uh like how this empowers music uh musical artists so i think that's uh that's pretty yeah i think that's the overall bull thesis just for like yeah. the nfts and yeah it's, it's pretty it's it's definitely worth it
Yeah, I just, I guess I just don't know how to, I don't have an edge there, so it's like I, I can kind of... We make wait. music, we do it, but I don't know if I'd buy these, right? Because I don't, I don't know how to judge these, but... Exactly, that's yeah. my feeling. Uh, okay. I I, my personal opinion, opinion is that you kind of want to see the first successful music and an NFT take off first, and then... You know, investing is a lot kind of like like seeing what's present uh, and then, you know, jumping on that bandwagon until we see a, a very successful like uh, music kind of like uh, NFT genre um, that has created. Then then it's not too late to jump on the, the, the bandwagon. But for that, it's, it's a bit early or, or yeah, I think it's a bit early usually, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agreed. Um, and then that's it for like the narratives and all the other stuff that I found. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good, pretty good list. Um, markets giving us a lot of good stuff. Seems like it's all pretty practical stuff right now. So good developments. Excited. Um. That's probably a, a good place to, to start wrapping it up. Um, do we have uh, some closing thoughts? Uh, Jackson, do, do you want to cover anything that um, uh, we want to talk about? Uh, no, I think we covered quite a different variation of stuff uh, today. So, Cool. Yeah, then um, let's wrap it up there. Um, thanks for coming on, and, and um, uh, thanks for, like, your really honest thoughts on, on everything and uh, we're super bullish on um, good founders and founders that understand you know building fun games and building um, good DeFi and uh, combination of both uh, how one can over you know um, superpower the other but in the end it's it's really about building good game experiences so um, happy to support and um yeah, I'm looking forward to um, playing Senders eventually, and uh, perhaps we can all join as M6 and hang out. I know me and Phil will definitely go. <laughs> We've been planning to play a lot of games already. Definitely, you should. Uh, you should buy a big piece of land and build a guild hall there. Uh, M6 guild hall, would be cool. Dude, we're gonna um, we're gonna run it up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're gonna it'll be, a, be really sick. Um, big, we're gonna have the most amount of land and the biggest guild. It's gonna be sick. Yeah, it's like uh, I I hope people build their own like town halls a little bit like so, um, you know like, you know like you know having PFP is kind of a flex in a way, but like you know you go to our game and you could buy lands and you you see like towers being built up and stuff like that like it's a little castle in itself and that's like that's like incredible and I think that's like what we're designing is like we have like a a place where whales could play and flex their wealth and you know land is probably the the best way to express uh your wealth like in real life <clears throat> a really nice house is a really good place and then we have the the fighting component um and you know you enjoy the game uh and just playing the game you know like just fighting monsters and stuff like that so i think uh i think it's definitely super interesting to see how it plays out like i'm, I'm actually very looking forward to you know when when it comes out like uh what people would do and and what the the behavior of you know of people would would be like there, 
Awesome. All right. Cool. Thanks okay. for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on, and thanks everyone for joining. Uh, definitely check out. We're we're gonna have notes up for this, and and uh, definitely check out our our channels and uh, check out Ascenders game. You can get a, a first look first, but um, join us in in uh, the game later on. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in the next call. Yeah, thank you. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Jackson. Thank you. Bye-bye. And get on the leaderboards, guys. Get on the leaderboards. <laughs> okay, see, see you guys. Bye bye.